Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, the ups and downs and how to navigate life with kids on your own while keeping sane. Covering subjects such as domestic violence through to fussy eaters and solo dating. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest is a proud single mother of three and a program manager at Stride Education. She has been living in Australia for 27 years and has had her own personal challenges with love and life. On her journey, she discovered yoga and decided to go into counselling, cognitive behaviour therapy, mindfulness, meditation, and also found the time to write a book, The Courage to Be You. In 2018, she was introduced to Stride Education and has worked with hundreds of students in various schools around Australia, empowering young people with tools to develop greater confidence, courage, authenticity, and to navigate the challenges, changes, and uncertainties of everyday life. Hi, Shireen. Hi, thank you. Welcome for joining us today. Thank you, because I know you're really, really busy um, with everything that you're doing with Stride and and what you do personally yourself, but thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's start with you telling us a bit about your life, your journey, how you got here today. About myself. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. It's been a big, a big journey. I, um, I'm celebrating my 50th year around the sun next year. So it's, uh, it's a big journey. Um, but I, I, I probably should explain my accent before we get started. Um, cause most people spend the time listening to me going, what part of the galaxy are you from? <laughs> so I'll explain that first. So, um, I was originally born in South Africa. It doesn't sound anything like that. Although pops, some people that know the South African accent, usually pick up certain words that I say that sound South African, Uh, born in South Africa. And my parents left when I was really young. um, And I grew up in Los Angeles, California. Wow. I lived in LA. Yeah. Lots of fun. Really exciting. And then when I was 15, my mum and my sisters and I moved back to South Africa. So um, that was during the 80s. Most people leaving South Africa, we headed back (laughs) to South Africa, kind of back in time. And um, I finished school and did university, met somebody at uni, and I came out here when I was like 21. So it's been a beautiful journey, pretty much spent my whole adult life here in in Melbourne. And um, yeah, so, and um, so I suppose my journey, my journey started, I was studying psychology at, um, at university. I'm very, I was very passionate about human behavior. So based on a lot of that change that I had in my teens and, and other family stuff that went on, I myself actually suffered in my teenage years from quite a dark depression. Um, and it was some really, really difficult yeah. years in my own teenage years. Um, and, um, and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. Um, I actually was only diagnosed as an adult with ADHD, but I suppose it kind of made sense. My kind of school life made sense with that diagnosis, but never diagnosed within those years. And I suppose with such a choppy changing childhood and stuff like that, it was hard. But so I, um, I originally went into psychology, just was really interested in studying human behavior. I was actually more went into it with the idea of understanding myself okay. and how to well, help uh, well, look, yeah. I, I, we're, I would... we're interesting creatures, us human beings, and we're so yeah. complex. So much yeah. going on within us yeah. that like, even yeah. like, us as individuals don't understand. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as I started studying, um, I actually became not so much interested in the depression side, but I became more interested in the other voice. There was always this other voice that was that silver lining voice, that voice that was pushing me through. And um, what I now kind of call our our essence or our empowered self, um, I was really quite interested in that. Um, Came to Australia, got busy in corporate life, met my ex-husband now and kind of worked in business. And only when I separated in my 30s did I decide to come back to that passion. And um, in my 30s, I then studied, I I was going to go back and 
finish my psychology degree. Um, and at that stage, um, life coaching had popped up and positive psychology was a really big buzz and and CB, cognitive behavioral therapy was just starting. And that really, really interested me. It really captured my attention. So I kind of went in that direction and um, was kind of like the cliche of get divorced and become a life coach. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, right? These divorces, they change so was, you. Yeah. They change you for the better. <laughs> That was yeah. like the early 2000s. I was like, I was like, I, I became a cliche. <laughs> and, um, and so, and so I actually started from 2008, I actually started practicing my own private life coaching business for self-empowerment. I used to call myself a, a self-empowerment yeah. coach because it was not so much about understanding the pathology or the illness or any labels, but really about how we can become empowered, how we can, you know, even positive psychology wasn't such a, defined at Mm. that stage as much as it is now but you know understanding how we can accept ourselves how we can believe in self how we can thrive is really what what I'm passionate about and and understanding how we can each find our unique authenticity Um, and so that became a real passion of mine and and through my coaching I started to see different patterns of you know, going, wow, I'm just meeting all these people and having same conversations, getting the same kind of core place. And so I really started to study how fear shapes us and, and, and a type of shutting down process that happens to us very early on in childhood, when we start to have an experience that forces us to question ourselves or doubt ourselves. Um, And sometimes they're just such split second what we think are insignificant events that shape us um, start to change our personality. And we start to create these adaptations like an animal who adapts to a frightening environment. We create these adaptations to our personality. And, um, and so there's a type of shutting down and a type of, um, you know, the people pleasing and the controlling and like all the behaviors that we develop over the years to feel safe in our world. Um, And so I went into that direction and then probably about five years ago, uh, six years. So it was probably about six, seven years ago, I started to put a program together on mindfulness. Mindfulness was always a very um, big passion of mine and meditation. I learned meditation. I was very lucky to learn meditation very early on in my life, like early twenties, not really understanding the science. And at that stage, it was kind of like a woohoo thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I, and I don't, and I'm not sure. And I'm not sure that, um, I know what you mean about the mindfulness. It, it, well, it'd be interesting. So mindfulness to you, what do you, how do you define mindfulness? Because I, I do speak to a lot of people who are self-loving and who do practice meditation and mindfulness and things like that. And and sometimes the definitions are slightly off what I think the definition is. So like what, how do you define mindfulness? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, that's a great question. So, so I I started to put this program together called the resilience toolbox. And so mindfulness for me is a way that we can be resilient in moments that challenge us. And that is pretty much everyday life, right? Everyday life, we have everyday stresses and something as simple as, you know, well, getting the kids on time to school, you know, or getting the kids dressed in the morning, you know, I mean, even that is, is, you know, heightened stress. But yeah, well, my, I have, yeah, no, I agree. And I must have mine fairly well-trained because he does do it most mornings. Oh, that's very good. I just put his clothes out and I say, eat breakfast and get dressed. And like nine times out of 10, I go through to have a moan at him and say, hey, have you dressed? And he's dressed, he's sitting there dressed watching tv oh. or on his ipad or whatever um Love which it. is a real annoyance in the morning but anyway we're dealing with that yeah we're dealing with that yeah, yeah, being yeah. Mindful good of stuff. that. but uh, yeah good stuff so mindfulness is that it's that return for me it's really like it's really about connecting to the breath um and staying connected keeping the mind and body connected so bringing yourself into the present moment and all the kind of brain trauma <laughs> And brain wobble that stress causes us and leads us to be emotionally reactive to situation. You know, mindfulness allows us to come back to self-regulate that 
turbulence, self-regulate that heightened state that the body goes into and just soothe ourselves and keep ourselves in a very connected, calm, grounded space so that you know, now we under what we understand is being able to access that executive fun- functioning in the frontal cortex when we are really connected and calm, the whole brain is accessing its executive functioning so we can function effectively, more effectively. And that's being more resilient. Yeah. So is that like, um, so I'm going to do my, my, my quirky take on all of that. So that's like sitting there and going, okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's take a step back. Let's actually like review what has occurred or is occurring from a completely disconnected, um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? My brain. I need to kick it into life today. Um, like a detached. Detached. Yeah. Not per- yes. non-personal. So not to take it personal and yes. all of those sort of, and just go, okay, so what do I take from this? What do I, re- you know, what am I reading between the lines? If it's a, you know, um, discussion between two people or three or a group or whatever. Because uh, because when, when you were talking then and I was thinking and I was going, Yep, I understand completely what you're saying, because one of the best books I read was Ego is the Enemy, because I personally, I used to take a lot of things personally. I'd go, well, they're they're saying I can't do this job or they're saying I'm not very good at this. And when I and and being mindful, I'm very mindful of what I'm doing now that um, I have to take a step back. And it's not about me. It's not about my ego. And actually, ego is the enemy because. You're going, oh, well, they're, you know, no, it's not the situation at all. That's your interpretation, not that person's or whatever. So, okay, okay, yeah. So absolutely. And so that ability to observe and recognize your ego, represent your, recognize your emotional reaction, which is what I classify as fear. And I'll elaborate on that a little bit later. Yeah, that would be good because, like, I was going to, stop you earlier but I would I didn't want to so yeah no that would be really good because I think yeah and I'm thinking of a particular incident when I was a kid of probably about six or seven there was an incident with a biscuit I'm not going to go into any of the details but it really even now I'm sitting here at 50 right it really affected me and it affected I went okay people can be like this and it really like formed like how I interpreted the world people situations how I needed to change what I was doing potentially yes yes and that's the shutting down that's the adaptation right that we were talking about earlier I was six but it's still like it doesn't affect me but I still am very aware of it now at 50 yeah isn't that and so so that was you know those are the imprint experiences and those really like you know significant emotional events and and so that ability to recognize that you're taking it personally that ability to recognize ego and that that's brought up something but then to sit in a space of compassion mm. and detachment so compassion is you're aware of it but you're not necessarily letting it win you're not letting the emotion take in and you're not explaining yourself and justifying yourself and ultimately in that which I'll explain a little bit later but what we do is we're really proving our worth yes. right and we're yes. kind of ex- bringing ourselves back to that feeling of so validating ourselves and so that's that's all the adaptation right and so throughout that whole process the essence of who we are and that authenticity gets lost gets forgotten gets pushed down because you know the nervous system and the brain are trying to to protect us and keep us safe. So rather than being that authentic self, and I hear it from so many people going, well, my true self is not good enough or my true self gets me into trouble or my true self is judged by other people. So I'd rather not be that true self. And and that's where, you know, when it came to um, my work and meeting Stride and getting involved in the social and emotional programs that we run at Stride now, that's what drives me is to help young people connect back to that authenticity in a very, you know, school, unfortunately, school is really the war zone really for many, many people. And rather than being a platform to thrive, um, 
you know, it's, it's a platform that many young people do not feel safe in. And that's more traumatizing than a platform to thrive. And so, you know, my vision and my passion is to make schools a village and a community where we learn kindness and we learn compassion and we learn empathy um, and, and deep understanding towards another. And, and that actually comes with the self-respect. Yes. Right. Understanding yourself. And the more you experience your own self-worth, then you want to treat others that way. So it probably is quite idealistic. <laughs> and um, but it is my vision and it is what impassions um, and injects my energy into the programs that we run at Stride. No. And, yeah. and I, this is how we, you and I met was my yeah. son's school basically said that there was this course that was being run on kids thriving and you know how to deal with your child basically um during the challenging lockdowns that we were having in melbourne and various different things like that and that's how you and i met i basically attended one of these courses and listened to you and listened to everything that you were sort of saying and you really opened up on the on the um presentation um and on the course and um and i was like i have to get you on to the podcast because what you were saying resonated so much with me and well and that and you were a proud single mum so you go proud single mum with your kids yay <laughs> but um you know and I was like wow I you know what you're saying would help I think would help a lot of people who listen to the podcast so I just thought yeah we'll get you on board and uh, I love what you're doing and I, I agree with you like much as I love school and my son's probably sick of me because I say to him you know school is the best years of your life right when you go out to work and I sound like my mother now but when you go out to work you're going to hate it and like it's going to be like well hopefully you're not going to hate it but you know um you're going to have to do it to get money so school you know enjoy it they pay for a lot of stuff mum pays for a lot of stuff it's all good um and he just looks at me and shakes his head and goes I don't like it mum so it's inter- I've got an yeah. interesting kid because he's yeah. not a like I like school yeah. person. And unfortunately, that's you know we hear it. I mean, we know statistics speak for themselves. Way before COVID, yeah. you know, close to fifty percent of Victorian students in you know that kind of fourteen, fifteen year old and upwards um, age level were disengaged from school. So that, that was before COVID, right? So um, it, it has been. It's it's been an issue and you know, a, a, probably a system that's just not meeting students where they're at now and, and who they are now. There's been, and I, I think COVID just amplified all of that over the last couple of years of, it just feels like the whole landscape has changed again. But I, and, and like, look, uh, you and I are both of the same age, right? Okay. So when I was at school, we didn't have, like, we had maybe a computer room a computer room, right? Which probably had one, maybe two computers in it. All right. Internet was only just starting off. It was like, you know, if I look back over the last like 30 years, technology has been like such a steep learning curve. And we're expecting schools to teach our kids and fit in everything that they need to know. But also like we're expecting teachers to actually be going on this massive learning curve regarding technology, as well as do all the other things that we need them to do. And like, I think it's just... And I think that technology has complex, it's really just complicated. And and so, you know, it's extended the playground off school, off campus, you know, where we did have a, you know, we left school and nobody could call us and nobody could message us. And we weren't, you know, I mean, we, we did have, you know, if you were luckily enough, you had the phone that had the really long cable that you could stretch through the house and then, you know, it just eventually lost its stretch. But, you know, we, we had a way of escaping and, you know, the, the kind of horror stories that we hear a lot of the time of schools and, um, the challenges between students are happening on social media. And it's, I think also, especially for the younger students, um, you know, they're dealing with platforms that are probably a little bit more emotionally complex um, and that they don't really know how they don't, they don't have the foresight. They don't have the experience of knowing how they need to protect themselves um, and, and even understand that, you know, so I, you know, we do, we do do quite a bit of work in even our cyber savvy program, of helping students become aware of, you know, responsible online behavior and their digital footprints and, and all of that, you know, so, but, but again, it's, you know, like if I look at it, you know, and like even last year in COVID times, we still 
managed to work with a few thousand students, you know, so we see a lot. And at the heart of, at the heart of what I see, I just, I see a lot of students in high level of stress. And I think a lot of the behaviors that come and the disengagement and the anxiety and all the things that we're seeing are students experiencing a lot of stress. Um, and, you know, again, this, this anxiety of, of not feeling safe, not feeling safe in schools, not feeling safe in themselves. Um, and again, it comes back to, you know, that idea of teaching them how to manage yeah. that stress and manage their mindset and, and themselves. Well, um, if, yeah. Know, in addition to their relationship. And, and also like the world, although it's a big, massive world out there and your population has grown, it seems so small because mm. if you're like, if in our day and age, oh, it sounds so bad, doesn't it? I sound so bloody old. But like <laughs> in our day and age, right, our environments, uh, our social environments were within our street or within our city or town or whatever, right? So the kids that I, you know, measured myself against were the kids that were down the street or were at my school or, you know, and so, and we would go out every day and play in the park or whatever. And God knows, like, God love my our parents because, like, my mum would let us go out in the morning and she'd go, right, you need to be back home by blah, blah, blah. And that would be it. They wouldn't see us all day. We would go down the park, like, 12 13 or whatever and we'd go and we'd be there'd be big groups of us there'd be like 10 12 of us you know we'd be on swings we'd be on the park we'd have our little groups of friends but kids now like I see one as parents we're so scared that somebody's going to take our child abuse our child that they're going to get bullied they're going to get beaten up they're going to go and do something bad I mean all these massive things right that potentially doesn't happen um Mm. but the kids also, their social arena has increased. It's now global. Yeah. You know, they can yeah. see uh, what people in the US are dealing with because they're on the social media, there's videos that they watch, you know. And, and my concern is that they're looking at all these people who are making out they're successful um, or they're doing all these funny skits and they're wanting to be famous on these social media platforms, right? And being famous... Yeah does bring with it money and all of those perks, right? But also brings some really bad stuff with it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got trolls, you know, you've got people who are questioning what you're doing and all of those things. Somebody of my age, I mean, I haven't been trolled, so I'm hoping I'm not inviting (laughs) that now. But, you know, at the end of the day, somebody my age, I'm a little bit more mature and I've got a little bit more thick skin to be able to deal with that. But Mm. kids-wise. Yeah. And this is where you find, you know, like I will travel – like even in the last few weeks traveled across the whole of Victoria, different schools, and you find a very similar culture. Um, and that's, you know, that what you're tapping into is this very kind of toxic culture that they're seeing online that they're taking on. And, you know, it's created this um, almost like a persona of this is who we're striving to be. You know what I mean? And so I think like, that's a really big point. I think like other things that you brought up there of like even parent anxiety, parental anxiety that often gets projected um, and from all the information that we see as well, you know, and and the information that's in our head and how you said that's projected on. And I think plus all this very confusing information that, you know, somehow it's just a psychological experience when we see something on TV or we see something online, we take it as truth. And, you know, so, you know, one of the skills that we talk about in our program is about critical thinking and emotional literacy and digital literacy to really start to question things, not just accept yeah. things. To take again that mindfulness, take that step back and observe and question and dig in and look for authenticity and look for validation. And you know, if you're reading something online, is it a credible yeah. source? Is it you know? And I think that um, and that's where you know parents can really help their students and have conversations to develop that critical thinking muscle as well to unpack things rather than just accept things online. I think that's a really important conversation. Is there a particular age that we need to actually um, start to do this from? Can we start, Mm. can we start as early, you know, I mean, how early do you start? As early as possible. I mean, look, we, we've started to have conversations. I mean, generally we'll work with grade five onwards, um, but we are finding that we're having conversations with grade fours, um, grade threes, majority of our focus, our, our program, 
programs focus around friendship and developing friendships. And that grade four is often a time, especially with girls, um, that, you know, things start to get a little bit kind of catty. So a lot of our programs focus on that. But but I think, you know, like I look at my son, I've got an eight-year-old, but then I've also got older kids. I've got a 17-year-old and I've got a 22-year-old. So he has been exposed to what his siblings see. So as much as I would like to protect him um, from the TikToks and all of that, he's been exposed to it, right? So, you know, there he is in, you know, going into grade three and he's, he, you know, he, he kind of sees everything what teenagers are seeing. So, you know, I think, I think we do need to get in really young and know that they have, I mean, he knows, he says to me the other day, he said, why do I need to go to school when I have Siri? <laughs> Well, the world, you know, he says, I can just ask Siri what I like. Yeah. Like, I don't even need to spell. <laughs> like, My son's view is, why do I need to know, learn to write, mum? You've got a keyboard. So you don't write stuff down with your hand. You type it on a keyboard. Yeah. Like, and yeah. my nephew. That's so interesting. Yeah. And my yeah. nephew said, well, I don't really know. I don't need to learn how to spell because Word Checker does it all. Yeah. It's so interesting. And, and you know, you know, typing, using the computers, we use different parts of the brain when we do it. So like, that's where they go. Kids today are so different. I mean, their minds are being mapped completely different. You know, even just having like a a diary where you write in, you know, like we're now even knowing when you write something down, you'll remember it more than when you're typing it. So it's it's just even just accessing different parts of their brain is changing them. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. And I look, and I agree with you, like my son is going into grade one um come January and um so he's grade one right this is his second year at school but the traumas and tribulations of people like not wanting to play with him or you know yeah. just like that like and I sit there and go it's just being a kid right mm. for him it's major I've had a really bad day at school today because nobody wanted to play with me or mm. I wanted to play with such and such and they said no I couldn't and I'm like mm-hmm. okay well yeah sort of happens buddy but yeah yeah and that's that's what we're really you know hoping with our programs as well as that that empathy muscle and helping students also recognize the consequences because Mm. like I know from a therapy perspective like you know when I'm speaking to somebody and they're talking about you know not feeling worthy and not feeling good enough to get what they want and we trace it back and look at you know where these beliefs kind of started they started there on the playground. They started with things like being excluded with somebody saying, calling you a name. And, and I, you know, I talk about that in my book. I bring a lot of that, my own story into that of, you know, when I woke up and found myself in that kind of disempowered place in a kind of abusive relationship and not happy with life and recognize how did I get here and started to unpack all those beliefs. You know, I looked at it and I was like, well, that's where it started. And that's, yeah. you know, I think that with the awareness, awareness of, the consequences of that behavior, you know, and that's really what we're helping students kind of becoming aware of the name calling, the excluding, you know, the, you know, the, the rumors, the gossiping, yeah. the, you know, all of that really unnecessary behavior that, you know, it's, I mean, maybe it's human nature, you know, is it possible to eliminate that entirely? I'd, I'd, I'd love, I, I keep praying love, yeah. for that. And I keep, I just keep my vision in that, the world that we're trying to create and that's a kinder world you know and that's you know that's what we we always leave our students asking that question like imagine every single person just stopped and before they said anything and did anything ask themselves is this kind am I choosing kindness um you know so I, you know I think it's just having these conversations and and parents having these conversations with their children and and how we model kindness and how we model understanding and empathy and non-judgment you know children I I remember we had a um a principal that ran a pro uh, spoke at one of our events last year and um and she said something great she said you know children cannot be what they cannot see yeah I was like, yeah. wow, that is, that's good. That's Yeah, because it's so very sweet. much monkey see, monkey do um, when they're younger. Um, I completely agree. Um, and look, no, none of us parents are perfect. We all have mm. our moments. We are all coloured by the environments and the world that we've been brought up in. Um, mm. And, it, you know, and, and sometimes you have to take a step back from that world and go, well, hang on a minute, you know, I need to 
take a look at myself and improve myself and be the better person for me yeah and go from there like I love the I love the title of your book because the courage to be you is um is such an awesome title and I think it like for me personally I always have felt all my 50 years of life or maybe not the first five but like all of it I have always felt that society has always said no you can't be you you have to be something else you can't be who you are you have to adhere so and I can be really you know I could be crazy and way out there and like I can be really passionate about things and you know and I am very caring about things and all of that stuff but like the world always said no 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 but you're too loud you're too loud you should shut up with your opinions you know don't deal with that and blah 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 and I know we were talking about this earlier I personally I haven't unpacked this so I don't know where it comes from but I know like but I love that's why I love and I find that you're tight I've only just found the courage to be me and go do you know what you may not like me and that's okay that's your opinion that's who you are but this Mm -hmm. is me people Mm -hmm. I'm 50 I ain't gonna change and I hope you like me and I'll try to be as empathic with you as possible but like yeah like is that what did you have were you working on yourself and is that how you came to write the book the courage to be you because 100 you were trying to find yeah. the courage to be yeah. you such okay yes 100 percent. and 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 that was the journey of you know when I said to you when I was um you know through my coaching I started hearing the same conversations and I started to hear like wow every every person, when we come to the core of the conversation, there's three fears, three beliefs that is sitting within all of us. The, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. Right. And so these three beliefs shape our personality. So we do things and we start to make decisions and, and personality adaptations. So I'll be a certain way to be worthy, to be accepted, to feel like I'm good enough. So for example, you know, you, I, you hear, I hear it with the students all the time. Like, oh, you know, I'm dreaming about being a musician, but my parents are saying, that's not going to bring me any income. And I go, well, what did well, Freddie exactly. Mercury do? Look at Ed Sheeran. <laughs> you know, what did Madonna Ed Sheeran, do? What did, Ed Sheeran busted Ed Sheeran, in I mean, London for exactly. like three or four years and lived in squats. Well, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I mean, not all of us are going to become Ed Sheeran, but we all have that those inner character strengths to focus on. And, and so it's, it's, it's learning how to own our bits, but, but also recognizing when we're doing that adaptation, you know, like the people pleasing Mm -hmm. or controlling or, or compromising ourselves or, you know, social comparisons, because that's another big thing, you know, like we compare ourselves to other, Oh, I'll be good enough. If I was that they have this, I don't have that. So it's, and this is where the ego, right. That whole, that's how I define the ego is the ego are those three beliefs, right? So when instances like what you were talking about at your six-year-old self, something like that happens and we start to question ourselves, we start to question our worth. So in the book, I talk about, you know, I remember going over from South Africa to LA and arriving in kindergarten. I had my big fro, you know, now I've learned how to, I've learned how to rock the curl, but I had my big fro and, um, you know, my funny accent and I walked into class and I, I, I like, remember this so deeply and you know I walked in and I just my perception was like nobody wanted to play with me they all looked a certain way you know I heard little murmurings of she has funny hair and she speaks funny and you know I heard all these things and in that moment you know it's it's that that crushing of the spirit where you go well you know like you said well I'm not good enough who I am like I remember actually thinking like I need to look like Barbie in order to be accepted. But yeah. Right. And I share the story with the, I share the story with the young people because where does that belief manifest it? So if I'm not good enough, if I don't look a certain way, then I have to compensate. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to build other personality traits that compensate for me feeling that way. Right. And, and so, you know, one of the biggest consequences of that belief was, you know, going into my teenagers and, and why did I, why did I have that depression? Well, because, you know, I felt like 
like nobody loved me. I felt like I was not, you know, at that stage. <laughs> and then, you know, you get the oh, acne yeah. and the braces and everything that happens in PB, but you add that to that belief. Yeah, and it's exactly. Just like, <laughs> it's like a massive explosion <laughs> you know? of hormones where you go, I'm not good enough. Yeah. I need to look like that model or that one because they're really successful. And yeah. in a way, I think I'm liking I'm sort of liking where society's going because there's a lot of people speaking out now going, well, hey, you know, I was a professional footballer and it was really rubbish. You know, all of these things happened to me. I was really depressed. And everyone looks at them and goes, but you yes. had everything. Why were you depressed? But it isn't about, yeah. yeah. Perception. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, you know, like I love, because I think where we've come, that was really what I was hoping with the courage to be you is that I think authenticity yeah. is the new yes, sexy. I agree. You know, I think authenticity is the new sexy, like, and, and, you know, that's what I'm seeing. It's like, it doesn't matter anymore. Like you don't have to be anything, but when you're being real and you're being genuine and you own that with confidence, like people, people open to you and the universe opens to you. And that's where you kind of, you know, you, you start to also work your strengths. Cause I think part of life becomes really stressful where we're not working our strength. We're actually working against our strengths. We're working towards what people think we need to be and we're ignoring our strengths. And that, that creates a lot of, you know, we weren't giving those muscles. We were each given certain intelligence to handle a certain purpose we were given. Right. And when we work against that, yes, yeah, life's no, going to be overwhelming. Exactly. You know, we're, we're out of our, we're out of our threshold. So, you know, understanding how to come back and know what your essence are, know what your character strengths are, understanding, like you said, being able to step back and going, okay, I'm taking that person. Why am I taking that person? Because that person is pushing my, I'm not good enough button. And so I'm now trying to defend myself and I'm trying to justify myself and I'm trying to prove myself or validate, or I'm needing that external validation. And so that process of learning this is me. And, you know, unfortunately, not everybody's going to see that in us and not everybody, you know, but being okay with that and learning how to pick your lane and stay in your lane and have that self-acceptance and that self-belief and ultimately, you know, that self-love to, and I think again, coming back to mindfulness is mindfulness gives us yeah. a space of self-love. It teaches us. Yeah, no, look, I agree with you. And look, I look, <laughs> And I talk weird and funny, just like you You said you talk weird and funny at the beginning, but I don't think you talk weird and funny. But anyway, um, but like, you know, <laughs> I look at it and I go, look, Robbie Williams and Adele have done career, have got careers on like speaking their mind and swearing when they shouldn't do and doing all the stuff that potentially as a performing artist, maybe they shouldn't have done. And I hats off to them because people respect them. Ed Sheeran is very caring. Absolutely. Talks to Lewis Capaldi, God love Lewis Capaldi. I think he's awesome because he's yeah. just him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no there's graces with him. He's yeah. a he's a guy from yeah. Scotland who is amazed that he sat in his bedroom singing and has suddenly got all of this like fantastic um praise for his voice and his music and blah. And you just go, Well, good on you, mate. And and I think, you know, and I sit there and you know, that they're probably those guys thank you, are uh, probably the reason I do this because I, you know, otherwise I would have gone, I'm not BBC, I haven't got BBC English and like, who's going to listen to me because I talk a load of shit, but yeah. you know, it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay, yeah. no, I completely agree with you and um, I don't know, yeah, and I, people should get the book, The Courage to Be You because <laughs> I, it, like, I, I, to me it's just key. So, okay, so um, what what do we do how do we help our kids because like what how, how do we help them I'm like I want to help my son to have the courage to be him without without the yeah. tannies without the tantrums and without the like fro like I know he's very headstrong very passionate very clear and determined about what he wants to do normally that's about being on the iPad on you know, like, like my mummy, I want to watch YouTube. I want to watch a movie and stuff that mummy doesn't want him to do. But like, how do I, how do I help him to thrive in the environment that he's doing without actually mm. crushing him yeah. with all the things and expectations that are out there on parents to do with their kids? Yeah, I know. Like, that look, is and it's, I mean, question. that's such a big question, and that's a it's a, it's a great question. Yeah, no, we'll have good. to do a part two. But but I mean, I mean, I, I think just just First of all, I think the most important thing is 
to understand the difference between like conscious parenting and just autopilot parenting. And conscious parenting is about doing the work yourself, right? So it starts with actually us practicing, you know, whatever it may be, some self-development process that helps us really understand who we are, what are the type of parents that we want to be, what is my best self, what is my stress self, how can I manage stress effectively so that it doesn't show up in my language with my kids. Um, So basically, first it starts with how are we going to be the best version of ourselves? Because if we're being the best version of ourselves and we're really connected, parenting is a lot easier (laughs) because the heart doesn't lead us astray, right? And when when we're really calm and we're connected and we have that mind body connection i think the mind and heart work in unison and so we make decisions based on you know we talk a bit more gentle we talk a bit we have greater empathy we have greater understanding we're slower in our speech and so i think it starts with that really working on ourselves and one of the things that and i'm like i said i'm going to be 50 next year as well and one of the muscles that i continuously Mm. try and work on (laughs) it just also I think it doesn't come naturally to human beings some of us human beings is really really listen um and I you know it's something that I mentioned in the in the talk that you were at with the school um that we did a couple months ago but listen not to fix but listen to understand and it's 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 so much harder than those words say because you know we hear our kids say things you know people being mean to them or them they struggling or them not being happy and it triggers every single one of our buttons and so that's where it's really important for us to do some kind of self-development work so that we can self-soothe ourselves, and we're not bringing mm. our stress and projecting that in, but being able to then sit in a stillness um, that requires a lot of work <laughs> and to deeply listen and, and, and empower them to find the strength and answers within themselves. And that's where the more that they can problem solve, the more resilience they have, the more streetwise they have, they don't have many opportunities. Like you said, we would play in the streets, right? We had, we had play equipment back in the day where you really had to navigate going down a slide yeah. or you may lose a yeah, limb, yeah. right? <laughs> so like we weren't padded. We no. didn't have special swings and, and was scary. all those kind of things. You know, you climb stuff these was scary ladders. And you hurt yourself. Yeah, 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 you climb these. <laughs> right. And so, but we had to problem solve. We had to work through those emotions. We had to find that inner core strength in the challenge. And, and so, you know, sometimes we are like our natural instinct is to protect and just cotton ball them up and and you know just and and so but we do need to give them opportunities to get wired you know neurologically wired and and experienced but in a very still a very supported environment so i think doing the work really listening knowing how to question and empower them to hear to find their truth and i think through deep listening we find a way to hear what they're really wanting and what they're really needing. And at the same time, I think learning how to communicate in a non-threatening way that explains to kids what, why we're wanting what we're wanting. Right. So like, for example, I get concerned when you're watching certain YouTube videos that I think may be damaging. And so I'm saying no, because I'm actually trying to protect you. You know what I mean? So, and and I think when we are calm and connected, we can communicate on that level. And so, you know, thinking, and that's, you know, I always use that sentence structure of, well, what are you feeling? Why are you feeling it? And what do you need? And if you just use that sentence structure and stick to it and practice it, it helps guide you to speak fully, right? Because a lot of the time we're rushing and we're, we have sloppy communication and we just go, no, you know, like just no, da, 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 just leave me alone. Da, da, da. You know, we get into that space and that's when yes. there's room for error and miscommunication. And that's when they kind of just, they don't understand. And I think if they understand it and understand our intention and we're clarifying that, then Again, we're developing critical thinkers. We're developing empathic human beings. 
and just, you know, I think also having these conversations. I agree with you. Look, to my mind, uh, one of the best things that I do, and believe you me, there's only two of us in the house, so it is just me and my son, but um, we sit and have dinner. Like in the week, on a school night, we will sit and have dinner together, much probably to his annoyance because then he's got to talk to his mum and all he wants to do is watch TV, go on iPad or just zone out. Um, And he does sit there and go, oh, God, it's you again tonight. I've got to talk to you. But... They're the times where we have the most interesting conversations and we can then talk through the where's and why has and, you know, how was our day? I've got little conversation cards that we talk through as well. Um, So that I normally start because he's like, yeah, whatever. But, um, you know, there's kids really. So I normally start and then he'll then start to question me, which then generates a conversation. So we then have more of a connection there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. And I think that's the key word. I even wrote that down earlier connection. I think, I think that's, that that's broken in many families. And, um, and that's, that's the best place to start is, is connection. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, there's just, it's, it's like a natural, like almost like a rite of passage. You get to a space where an adult's going through their midlife crisis and a teenager is coming into their like you know, adolescence. And so there is a bit of a, organic clash that happens. And I think finding our ways and navigating it, you know, where these, you know, these two massive life changes are happening and how we can stay connected through that value shift that happens and that change that, that, that's, that could really be nurtured, you know, and that folk, I think if you cut, and that's where I say, like, if you're coming from the heart and you're connecting and you're coming from that space of nurturing and building a relationship that is going to ultimately, you know, set you yeah, up for no. a platform to thrive. Yeah. It's out of our control. <laughs> it's out of our control. As much as we want to control it, it is out of our control, but it's just, you know, yeah. you want to create that nurturing nest. It's a roller coaster. Um, I don't think I'm ever getting off this blooming roller coaster. Like I gave birth to him and the roller coaster is just (laughs) going to continue on the way through. Um, No, look, completely everything you say um, is valid, really, is valid. Um, So, okay, so if people, one, want the book, two, want to be able to connect with you, talk to you about Stride, um, I know you guys go out to various schools. If anyone's listening from the schools that wants to connect with you guys for anything for their absolutely, students, et cetera, et cetera. How do, how do they get in contact with you? Um, well, um, and I'll, we can send this in the, yeah, in the show notes so yeah. that people get the spelling because <laughs> as we spoke before, my name is, I'm like a living spelling mistake. So, I'll, um, I do have a, a website, shereenblom.com, um, that's from a, from a coaching perspective and the book perspective that people can go to it, it is on Amazon. So you can look up the cool. courage for you, um, on Amazon and, um, and find it there. Um, from a stride perspective, our website, I can send it to you as well. It's stride.org.au. Um, and so, you know, you can send us a message from our website. There's an inquiry form. So if there are any teachers or principals or well-being staff that are listening, or you're a parent that would like us to contact your school, you know, you can send us an inquiry via our website. Um, and we also have all the program information and different programs that we run. Um, we also do a lot of tailored programs because of the kind of complexity and the changes that we're doing. We're doing a lot more tailored kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, just reach out to us. And, and of course, on our on our socials, um, Stride Education, we're on Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook. And yeah, so, so you know, come play with us on our socials. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. That's cool. So finally, finally, one last question. One last question. I don't know you've been thinking about this because I raised this with you a little while ago. Um, what would... What would your superpower be should you be able to get one? Well, I was thinking about this and I, and I, I think that, you know, I've lived here for almost 30 years. I've lived away from my family for 30 years. And, and even in the climate that things are, I would love to teleport. I want to yeah. be able to go to different countries. I want to. I want to travel yeah. to South Africa, but not spend all that time on a plane yes. with COVID-infected yes. people. Yes, I want to just be able to. I want to be like today. I'm on Table Mountain yeah. oh. and 
and then I want to be on Malibu Beach, and then I, want to, so I just want to be able to teleport. It would be awesome. Do you know what? Teleportation <laughs> has been one of, I, I'm thinking it might be the number one thing that everyone's asked for over yes. the last like year or so. Yeah, no, I look, I completely agree. I think we're over sitting on a plane. We're over breathing in other people's germs. We're, we just want to get where we need to go fast. Yeah, instant gratification. Yeah. Get me there yeah, now. Get me there now. And like, <laughs> yeah. I want to yeah. go through this vortex and And so teleportation, awesome. there's probably, I don't know, I'm not sure the governments would have any border controls over that either. So that would be good because no. you wouldn't actually yeah. be flying with yeah. loads of other people. We'd be doing it solo. So, you know. There should be research going into that, yeah. really. Elon Musk. <laughs> Let me just put it this yes. way. You may want to be chipping people <laughs> and flying up to the sky, uh, to the sky, yes. to the space yes. and stuff like that. Your next yeah, Tesla dude, I, is your teleport yeah, Tesla. I'm sorry, but you need to be doing and looking at teleportation um, because, look, why would we want to get in a blooming rocket ship and go up to space? You could teleport us to the next planet. We wouldn't have to sit on that space right. rocket going to Mars for blooming half a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. exactly. Sort it out, Elon Musk yeah. or Jeff Bezos. Yeah. I don't care which one. You've got enough money between the two of you. Even. Make it yes, happen. Exactly. So, you know, oh, even. Oh, um, oh, who's the. Who's, this is so bad. Who's the Microsoft um, CEO? Bill, oh, Gates, Bill Gates, even Bill Gates, <laughs> even Gatesy, Gatesy, get your stuff sorted. We need this Sit teleportation. Together. You can work together, yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. Let's work together. Get all your heads together. Yeah. You're all brainy. Yeah. You've all got loads of money. Let's sort it out. Yeah. No, I agree. Love it. I think. Oh, Love it. I'm on that. Can you imagine, though, the money you would make from <laughs> teleportation? Like, I mentally. I can see the, the programs yeah. now. Yeah. I mentally am not there, but like, um, Oh, if I was brainy and could put that together, happy days. Hey ho, I'll have to I'll have to uh, get my son. I love it. That's my it. next course. Your ten steps on how yeah, to tell exactly. Ah. <laughs> well, look. Thank you so so much. Uh, I know you're so busy with all of the school stuff and all of your other stuff that you're doing. Look, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Um, yeah, it's thanks, been great. Thanks so much. Great questions. No, look, it's great oh, interviewing. Really great to be it's here. It's a pleasure to talk to you. It really is. And there's so much more I want to like ask you about. Like you did yoga and you did all these other. You know, I mean, your journey's been amazing. And um, and like we've only just done a little tiny snippet of like everything that um and I haven't asked you what you were currently involved in and what you want to do going forward but you know maybe that's for another time I think we I think it's weaved in there yeah. I think it's weaved into the yeah. conversation but hopefully another time would yeah. love to come no back. that would be great that would be great look um I know you have to go. Um, I've got to go too. So that's okay. Look, thank you so much. Um, and let's uh, let's catch up next year. Let's speak in 2022. Yeah. And, 2022, um, bring yeah, it on. Yeah, find out what's going on then. Thanks a lot. Speak to you later. Awesome. Thanks, Claire. Bye. All the best. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you'd like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family on all the usual social media platforms that you're normally on. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content that I know you're going to want to hear like this. If you want to check out past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast or for links, resources, and show notes, go to our website, www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey, and Twitter. Have a wonderful week, and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself, and remember, no one's perfect, and we're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin, and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.